You know, Jesus warned us that in the end times, deception like a virus will spread like wildfire. Disguised as the answer to all our problems, our secular culture can only offer replacements to the truth. The good news is that the truth of the Bible is the cure. In Pastor Jack Hibbs' new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he reveals the antidote to the lies we're told that have become increasingly harder to detect. From the inspiring foreword written by Mike Pompeo to the final chapters, Pastor Jack exposes how to combat deceptive spirits and equips us when we're deceived by the ultimate liar, Satan himself. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is a powerful must-read, and when you order, you can bundle by getting the DVDs and a downloadable link for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com radio. That's jackhibbs.com radio. Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. Because God has given you and I His Bible, He expects us to know this book. There's no excuse for us to not know this. Not one of us. You say, oh, I don't like reading. Well, that's because of laziness. Let's be honest. The reason why you may not like reading, well, I, don't, I can't read as fast as anybody else. He didn't ask you to take the Evelyn Woods speed reading course. He told you to read it. You can get the outlines of this podcast by going to jackhibbs.com slash podcast. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. Friends, Bible prophecy matters. And Jesus said, I hold you accountable to know that day. And you didn't know it. And so now your peace is taken from you. So when God's word says what it says, we want to pay close attention to it. And God gives us these things that we might be people who are at peace. And that we know what's coming. We don't have to worry and bite our nails like the rest of the world. Especially in times like these. God wants to communicate to you his truth. And you need to make a decision of what you're going to listen to. I hope you look at it this way. If any of you have been in war or combat, one of the first things that you do is you get intel, intelligence on your enemy or for the mission. And you know what the first thing is? The first thing it is that you do, you figure out how do you take out their communications. I don't care how big the army is. I don't care how big the nation is. You want to, you want to mess them up? take out communications. By the way, we're really good at that as a, as a nation, as a war machine, is that we usually go in a few days in advance and we always take out their communication systems. Do it by stealth. Nowadays, you don't even need stealth. The United States and Israel both are pretty famous for just going, going in onto a computer and sending information that completely disconnects the communications of the enemy. And when the communications is not clear, people get confused. Okay? And that's what's, listen, that's what happens in war, and you and I right here are at war. It's not for any territory. It's not for any booty or any loot or any glory. It's for souls. That's what we're living for. You and I as believers, we're living for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. You say, that's creepy. Not creepy at all. Listen, 
We are Jesus' ambassadors, says the Bible. We're deployed all around the world as believers. And the fact of the matter is this. We're trying to share the gospel with people. We're trying to communicate the truth. And the enemy wants to mess that up constantly with false teaching, false prophets, false faith. And to confuse someone's ability to come to the knowledge of Christ. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The enemy hates that. Jesus died on the cross for our sins to set us free. The enemy hates that. That's why he floods you with allurements and lust and pride and desire. It's a, those are not cute things or things that you can hold in your breast for a moment and not be burned. They are demonically driven by a world of darkness invisible to our eyes that want to seek your soul and pull you into the pit. Why is that important? That's how much Satan hates you and God. You're the prize. And thus Bible prophecy makes its claims to us and it's awesome and comforting. Don't need to belabor it. Last time together, we argued this, that regarding what we know for sure is that the world now is being turned to all eyes on God. People are waking up around the world at this time to consider God. People are tuning in. People are reading their Bibles. The biggest download of Christian data, as I've been telling you over and over again, during the year 2020 has been the nation of Iran, Persia. Gospel going all over the world. Billions of people reading Bible online. What's up? Something's happening. And God has delivered this opportunity at an age like this, where technology can be used. We're living in a miracle right now. And I don't want you to miss the day of your visitation. This is an epic moment. You want to get on board. You want to find out, God, what do you want to do next? God, please don't do it without me. Don't you want to, don't you want to pray that prayer? God, whatever you're going to do, I don't care. Just don't do it without me. Don't you want that? Wouldn't it be a bummer if God said, well, I would have loved to have used you, but you didn't recognize the day of your visitation, so I went down the street. Oh, my goodness. That'd break my heart. And then we saw last time, this did not go over big. I could tell by the mail I got in the comments. The second thing is, what do we know for sure? All eyes off America. So how dare you say that? Oh, I'm just getting started. <laughs> Listen, you can't, you can't insult the God of heaven in the United States and expect him to hang around. He's not a punching bag. You can't throw him out of college. You can't throw him out of court. You can't throw him out of school. You can't throw God out of the public square. You can't throw God out of the textbooks and then expect him to send rain or to make our economy work. It's not going to happen. He's patient. He's been patient for decades. But it is very evident. Time's up. The United States of America, listen, has been that stalwart friend of Israel in more ways than one. And God blessed us as a nation when we stood for Israel. But I want to make this very clear. The prerequisite to blessing, according to the Bible, God says, bless Israel and I'll bless you. You say, wait a minute, you asking me to bless Israel? Yep. I'm not saying everything Israel does is right. God didn't ask us about that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying just, you know, just because somebody's Jewish that you're supposed to love on them like that. I'm not saying that. God makes it very clear that he says, I will bless the nations that bless my people. Look, you're not, you're not sinless. Isn't it sweet to know that God would say, I want, I want you to be a blessing to my friend. Fill in your name. I want you to be a blessing to, fill in your name. You'd say, oh, that's nice. I like that. Well, the same God says, 
be a blessing to my people Israel. I've chosen them. But God, they're a difficult people. I know. That's why I chose them. <laughs> Did you know that? That's what he says. He says, I chose them. He said to them, book of Deuteronomy. He said, don't think I picked you because you're better than anybody else. He said, I picked you because you're stubborn. He said, I picked you because you are stiff-necked people. You know what that means? If he can save a Jew, he can save a you. <laughs> right? It's true. I love the Jewish people. They're fantastic. If, if you ever get in a conversation with a Jewish friend, it's amazing because they'll argue with you for an hour and then at the end they'll say, I believed everything you did. I just wanted to listen to you argue your point. They never stop. And God says, those are the ones that I'm going to pick. They're my chosen people. They drive everybody else up the wall. They will be instruments of my grace and my mercy. And God picked them. And you can't say anything about it. I don't like it. Too bad. He didn't ask you. By the way, there's a reason why the Jews are the most hated people on the planet. Because of God. He picked them. I think Satan hates them. Think about it. God has promised an everlasting covenant with the Jewish people. He has to keep it. You think, look, Satan can read the Bible. If he can break that, if he can mess that up, then he thwarts the plan of God. Happily, it ain't going to happen. But listen, as, as a nation, as a nation, we need to get back to God. And uh, I don't know what's going on in our country. Don't be fooled. Nobody else knows either. <laughs> that is both terrifying and maybe great. <laughs> but uh, one of the things is this, showed on the screen, you guys. Uh, in, in the U.S., decline of Christianity continues at a rapid pace. That doesn't bother me. Don't let that bother you. If you read the entire article, by the way, it is huge article. It goes on to say that uh, rapidly, drastically, membership from Baptist, Southern Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic, uh, Assembly of God, God, Presbyterian, they're all losing people. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing because those entities are almost fully departed from the authoritative word of God. They departed from the Bible. Why, why wouldn't God call his people out? God is saying to some churches or to the people in those churches, hey, come out and be separate from them. Can you believe that? He does that. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, come out from among them. Don't hang out in a false church where Christ is not glorified, his word is not taught, and that you're not trained in the things of God that you might go out into the world and make a difference? Church is not a club. It's not to meet any standards that the world sets down as what is acceptable and not acceptable. The church is a living, breathing entity deposited to us from heaven. It was created by the Holy Spirit. It was bought by the blood of Christ. It doesn't meet some earthly or governmental requirements. It is the church of the living God. And now you can see in our age how the church will be pitted against godless governments and godless leaders. We're rapidly moving toward that even at this time. But it's a very powerful truth. The third thing is, this is where we pick it up. The third thing is all eyes on Israel. Five times in our reading a moment ago, you read the word Israel. That is fascinating, friends. Let me remind you. Reading the book of Ezekiel, you're looking at a 20. 2,600-year-old prophecy, and you read it out loud. I heard you say it. You said it five times, the name Israel. 
It's been in there since Ezekiel gave it. Or I should say God gave it to Ezekiel. I'm going to ask you to put your eyes to the screens in a moment to watch something, but I want to set it up. Israel. You want to know why it's a big deal? Number one nation talked about in the Bible, of course. It's the only nation in the Bible, only nation in the Bible where God has established with them an everlasting covenant. Israel. Israel's special. It is the only nation in the world where the scripture tells us that, listen, listen, that they will be a nation, and then because of their rebellion against God, they will not be a nation, and they'll be thrust into exile because of their disobedience. Then the Bible tells us that just before Christ comes back, listen, just before Christ comes back, he will regather his nation from all the corners of the earth, listen, back into their own land. That's a funny thing because 2,000 years later, these people walking around the world, they don't know that that's their own land. They've never been there before. So what God does, he sets up the country so the people can move. Are you with me? Nobody's moving right now to Mars because it's not been set up for you to move to. Well, God sets up Israel first so his people can move to it. And they move to it coming or going home to a home they've never been. And they have, and they do, and they will. What's going on? And how could this have ever happened? That a nation who was, then wasn't, becomes again. What evidence do we have that God's word is true on this point? Put your eyes to the screen. How do you respond to people who excel you in invention, creativity, and wealth? Do you envy them? Do you feel their success somehow diminishes you? Or do you admire what they've achieved and try to emulate it? These questions sum up what I call the Israel test. In the 1880s, European Jews settled in Mandate Palestine and wrought an agricultural miracle in that desolate territory. Then sparsely populated by a few score thousand Jews, and a couple hundred thousand Arabs. The Jewish settlers drained malarial swamps, leached salt from the soils, terraced the barren hills, and planted millions of trees. They massively expanded the capacity of the land and enabled it to support a substantial Arab population. In the two decades between 1921 and 1943, Jews quadrupled the number of enterprises, multiplied the number of jobs by a factor of 10, and increased the level of capital investment a hundredfold. Far from displacing Arabs, they provided the capital for a major expansion of Arab farms and enabled a sevenfold rise in Arab population by 1948 to a level of 1.35 million the largest in the long history of Palestine. In other words, the Arabs came to what would soon be the state of Israel because of the Jews. By comparison, Transjordan, now known as Jordan, with the same geological endowment and four times the land, but no Jews, was able to sustain a population density only one-tenth of the population density of Palestine. Crucial to Israel's accomplishments 
were world-leading technological advances in the recovery of water through desalinization, drip irrigation, and sewage recycling. Over the past 50 years, Israel has increased its population tenfold, its agricultural production 16-fold, and its industrial production 50-fold, while actually reducing net water consumption by 10% since 1948. This huge expansion of effective water resources enabled the land to support not only more Jews, but also millions more Arabs. Today, the state of Israel, with its astonishing achievements in computer science and other high-tech fields, distills both the genius of the Jews and the misdirected anger of the failed states that surround her. The great divide in the Middle East is not between Arab and Jew, but between admiration of achievement, along with the desire to replicate it, and envy accompanied by violent resentment. People who admire success, who pass the Israel test, tend to be wealthy and peaceful. People who resent achievement, who fail the Israel test, tend to become poor and violent. So again, how do you respond to people who excel you in invention, creativity, and wealth? Do you envy them? Do you feel their success somehow diminishes you? Or do you admire what they've achieved and try to emulate it? The Israel test is the central divide in the world today. How you answer it as an individual, and ultimately how we answer it as a nation, is a test of our own will to triumph over enemies who hate us as they hate Israel for what is best within us. I'm George Gilder, a non-Jew who has passed the Israel test. <laughs> All of that presentation, secular scientific evidence of a nation the size of New Jersey being incredibly resourceful. Now, granted, there's tremendous trouble coming to the nation of Israel during the tribulation period. The Bible talks about that, too. But it's the only nation on earth that God has a covenantal agreement with. And if you doubt that, look to the screen now. This is kind of a quirky looking graphic, but it's because the t-shirt had to be stretched out and a picture taken of it. This is a t-shirt you can buy. It says, civilizations, nations, and empires that have tried to destroy the Jewish people. Nation, ancient Egypt. Status, gone. Philistines. Nation, status, gone. You haven't bumped into a Philistine lately. Assyrian Empire, gone. Babylonian Empire, gone. Persian Empire, gone. Greek Empire, gone. Roman Empire, gone. Byzantine Empire, gone. Crusader period, gone. Spanish Empire, gone. Nazi Germany, gone. Soviet Union, gone. Iran, maybe tomorrow's news. Iran. You never go against Israel without going against the God of the Bible. You need to know that. You go against Israel and you're going to get yourself in trouble. How do we know? Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country. Imagine that. 
He's just living his own life, doesn't know nothing about nothing. And God speaks to him and says, leave your country. Leave your family, your father's house, and go to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Here it is. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed if we bless Abraham's descendants. The Bible says that his descendants are none other than the Hebrew people. This is, a, this is a verse that the Bible lays out flat. It doesn't ask you for your opinion. It doesn't apologize for it. It just says it. You say, I don't believe it. That's okay. But do some study as to how do nations fare when they go against Israel. It doesn't go well. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener-supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected. Real life, hey.